Welcome to the Living Faith Missionary Church Podcast. You're about to listen to a message from Pastor Chris Starn, Senior Pastor at Living Faith in Yoder, Indiana. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. I'm going to ask you to remain standing as we uh, are going to go to God's Word. We've been in the book of Galatians, so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to open it up to Galatians 5. We'll be starting with verse 7. Paul has been talking to the church about the fact that they are leaving the gospel, they are listening to the Judaizers, and they might as well just become Jewish then. Because it is salvation is only by faith in Christ alone. Here's what he says in verse 7. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. He says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still and preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Wow, there's a lot there. Let's pray. Father, we praise you for your word. As we open it up, as we explore uh, what you want us to know, what you want us to see, and what Paul was telling the churches of Galatia, Father, may it move our hearts to, to hear the Holy Spirit. May it move us to to see your work around us. May it move us to have a stronger faith in Christ, in Christ alone. Amen. Go and be seated. I don't know about you, but I, I really, really hate to run. When I begin running, uh, this is what I look like in my mind. Right? That's what I look like. But as I get to the end of the race, or I get to about the middle of the race, actually, this is what I actually look like. (laughs) There's nothing wrong here. He's a nice man, I'm sure. We aren't always what we seem. Our perceptions aren't always what we think they are, what the truth is. And I start out pretty good when I begin running. But I find it very difficult sometimes to end strong. Sometimes I find it very difficult to end the run at all. I think this is what happens sometimes to us as believers in Christ. We have a tendency to start out real well. We hear the gospel. We get excited about it. It changes our lives. And the problem is, somewhere between the starting line and the finish line, things don't quite go the way we expect them to. The dreams, the aspirations we had of finishing strong just don't seem to happen. And understand, we all ultimately will finish the race. Man is destined to die and to be judged. It's going to happen to all of us, short of the fact that Jesus comes back and we're taken, raptured, and we don't have to die. 
But ultimately, we all face the same thing. We are all aging every day. I just think sometimes I've aged a little quicker than I wanted to. I don't know if it's my, my bad back, my bad knees, or the fact that my center of gravity has shifted. But the race is hard. But there are many people who receive the word, profess enthusiastically their faith in Christ, yet eventually they fall away. They don't even finish the race. Or they start running a different race. Jesus calls them rootless and unable to endure in his parable of the sower. I want to look at that real quick. Jesus is telling a parable about what the kingdom of God is like, and he's talking about a farmer who throws seed out, and it's called broadcasting. And what they would do, they would, they would throw the seed out. The th- seed would be thrown out, and it would just be thrown all over the place. and would hit on certain types of soil. And one of the soils that he talks about, and this is in Matthew 13, he's talking about rocky ground. And that's who the people who start the race well, but sometimes don't finish it or end up running a different race. And this is what he says. Jesus says, as for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Oh, it's great. I love the word of God. It's awesome. It changed my life. Jesus loves me. He died for me. I want to live life for him. And we're all enthusiastic. Yet, he has no root in himself. And he endures for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. The ground is rocky. There's no deep soil. So what happens? He starts to grow and then the sun comes out. It rains real hard. Animals come along and and dig him up. And and the, the plant doesn't survive because there's no deep soil. This is what Paul sees happening at the churches in Galatia. And I believe that's what's happening in the church today. In the church today, people are beginning to fall away. They're beginning, either whole churches are starting to go in the wrong direction, or individuals are starting to go in the wrong direction. The Galatians, the believers were running well, Paul says. You were running well, what happened? Something goes wrong. They stopped running or were not running as well as they had at first. And likely they're not even going to finish the right race. Now, there may be some of us here who who started the race and when we first heard the gospel, received it with joy, but now we find that we're running out of gas. I'm, you know, I, like I say, I don't like to run. I could sprint. I can sprint from the couch to the refrigerator and get back in before the commercial's over telling you pretty good now the problem with that is if i get too cocky about it what will i do i end up tripping as i'm going and falling down the stairs and but but we 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 don't we run out of gas as we're going we're not refueling ourselves we're not filling ourselves back up with what we need in order to run the race well i have i have a chainsaw at home If you know anything about chainsaws, you know you have to mix the oil in the gas, right? Yeah, imagine that. Or a gas trimmer, but even even a chainsaw is even more oil. I I can't take that oil, that gas, and put it in my car and expect it to run well. 
I can't put diesel in my gasoline vehicle. I need the right kind of fuel. And it's not what's sitting in the refrigerator that I run to on my, my break from the TV program I'm watching. We need to be refueled. It also could be possibly that somewhere in our walk, somebody or something got in the way. Something took us and redirected us in another direction. And made it difficult for us to run the race with endurance that is set before us. Obviously, life is a race, right? We know that. Life is a race. Sometimes we think it's a rat race, but it's a race. And the Christian life is a race from the beginning to the end. When we are born, and, and we hear, and, and, and when I mean born, I don't mean born as a child. I mean when we are born again in Christ. When we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we, that is where we begin the race. We're at the starting block. We're running off. And just like any foot race, there are certain paths we must stay in. We start off in this path, and we're going along the path. And at the end of the race is a prize that's waiting for us. For us as followers, you know, like I say, it begins a conversion. We hear the gospel. We trust in Jesus and we're off to the races. The finish line is the final judgment. We talked about last week, we talked about what is most important in our lives. What is most important is our li- in our lives is our faith showing itself, working itself out through love. That is ultimately what our goal is, and that's what's most important in our lives today. Whether or not our faith is being shown, our belief is being shown in love. And if that's what's important at the final judgment, that's what's important today. So if the final judgment is the end of the line and the end of the race, where is our prize? What are we going to get? Well, our prize is no less than eternal life. You know, my, 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 I, when I was growing up, I, I used to play uh, baseball all the time. And, you know, back in my day, we never got participation trophies. We got trophies for winning. Or we got trophies for good attitude. I remember getting a trophy for sportsmanlike conduct, because I, I did. I, I, I said something just off the cuff, and I wasn't even thinking about it, and I got a trophy. And I thought it was great. You know what? I don't have that trophy anymore. It didn't mean anything to me because I don't have it sitting on my shelf anymore. But the trophy, what I get at my end of my life when I've run this race is eternal life. And I hold that precious. That's what I'm longing for. I'm longing for eternal life because the opposite is worse, believe me. Eternal separation from God, that's not what I want. In the book of James, James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. When we remain in our trials, when we remain steadfast, we keep, we get up, we keep moving. We don't stop. Somebody's left a hurdle in the middle of the middle of the track. What do we do? We jump over it or go around it or go under it. Once something, we get around it. We don't just stop and say, well, I can't finish the race. Got trouble. No, you jump over it, around it, or, or under it. We must be steadfast. 
Because if we are, we will receive eternal life in Christ. If we fail to finish the race, we spend eternity separated from God in eternal suffering. See, the thing is, is while we're running this race, there is another race going on. And, for, and it crosses our path all the time. And this is the race of the world. And that race is going to lead to destruction. We need to make sure, as believers in Christ, that we're running on the right path. The right path is the gospel. The right path is what God has done through Jesus Christ to free us from the slavery to sin. The path, we look at our paths and we see our path and we see the trouble ahead and we see the path of the world and that path looks a lot easier, but that path leads to slavery. It leads us to places we don't want to be. And as we're running, how do we know? How do we know if I, how do I know if I'm running the right track, the right path? You know, if, if I'm on a track, and I'm running around, if I'm supposed to stay in my lane, okay, and I'm running along, I can look down and I can see where I'm at. But how do we know we're on the right path in life? There are no, there are no lines in, in life. You know, you don't, you don't have these guys in front of you saying, okay, do you take this job? Or, well, we're going to paint you a line over to this job here, or we're going to paint you a line here where you're supposed to go. There aren't any. We just have to know that we're on his path. And Paul tells us in verse 7 of chapter 5, he tells us how we can know we're on the right path. And that is by obeying the truth of the gospel. Because he asked the church of Galatia, churches in Galatia, he says, why are you no longer obeying the truth? Because if you're obeying the truth, you're on the right path. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Who stopped you? See, we, we all have the ability to finish the race. We're free to do so. Remember last week, the reason why Jesus came was to set us free. He came to set us free. It was because of freedom that Christ came. He suffered and died because of our freedom, because he wanted to give us freedom. But unfortunately, we have a tendency to allow things to, in our lives to hamper us or to threaten us or to reshackle us. And we're no longer free. We're no longer free. They threaten our freedom in the process. They hamper our ability to run the race. Now, I want you to know, you, you would never think of running a marathon, holding a suitcase in one hand, a duffel bag in another hand, and a backpack on the back, unless you're in the military. They're going to make you do that. Okay. But you're not going to run a race holding all those things, trying to make it fit. You'll never finish, especially the way I pack. My, my suitcase, if I ever go on vaca a vacation flying, I always have to pay more for my suitcase because I always take a lot with me. I just do. So we would not run carrying these things. But yet that's exactly what we do when we, when we don't deal with the sin in our lives. We are carrying baggage. And it hurts our ability to run that race. It weighs us down. This is what 
unaddressed sin is in our lives. We must address it. We must deal with it. It undermines our ability to run and the, and the race set, set before us. So we need to set these weights aside. We need to walk over to the side and say, I'm going to put these down. And the only way we're able to do that is by confessing them to Christ. He's forgiven them for us. It's just we need to confess them and get rid of them. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the writer of Hebrews, which I believe was Paul, gives this whole list of all the saints of the Old Testament who have lived the lives we've lived, suffered the things we've suffered, and yet they still believed. He says, since we're surrounded by them, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. It's almost like, it's not that I'm carrying these suitcases, it's that they're stuck to me. They're clinging to me. I gotta get rid of them. I gotta get rid of the sin. I gotta get rid of the anger. I gotta get rid of, of, of the, of the, the attitude, the lack of compassion. I gotta get rid, rid of the lust. I gotta get rid of all of that. I gotta set it aside. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. But see, it's not only that that hampers us. We're, we're not just hampered by our sin. Like I said before, sometimes there are people in our lives that kind of have a tendency to hamper our our, our race with Christ. Hampers our ability to run. And this is what was happening with the Galatians. There are other people who have stepped into the race and said, no, wait a minute, no, you're doing this all wrong. You know, it'd be like running a race, them coming and saying, well, no, no, you have to lead with your right foot, not your left foot. But I'm left-handed, it doesn't matter. You have to, you have to, and, and it throws everything off. These people come in and they tell us things that are not true. Well, you've got to speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. That's a lie. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that. Well, if you're not performing miracles, if you're not hearing prophecy, you're just you're not just you're not in the Spirit. That's wrong. There's no place in Scripture that says that. See, there's others in our lives, they want us to run a different race. They want us to get off the path that we're on and go on this other path. And I don't know whether it's because they're on it and they want us to, they, there's, you know, there's, there's a feeling of comfort in numbers. They want us to go with them. But they're wrong. They want us to follow a different gospel. And what's happening is the Galatians are beginning to veer off onto other paths and they're being disobedient to the truth. You know, there's always that danger of falling when we're running, especially, I mean, you know, I I got bifocals. I can't see the ground very well. And if it's dark, forget it. I, I mean, I'm like, you know, trying to feel where the steps are because I can't see. But when we run a race, we run that risk of falling down. It's going to happen. Or we get run the risk, risk of being knocked off course a little bit. But we must understand what Paul says, you know, the one, the, it's not God who's doing this. God does not lead us astray. He, he, he doesn't make those who are running the race for him go in a wrong direction. If, if we get off off track. It's usually our fault. It's not his fault. He didn't do anything. He he kept us on track, but we ignored him. We went our own way. 
he never hinders us from actually running the race. You know, in 1938, this was at the NCAA championship. There was a guy, his name was Louis Zamperini. You guys have probably never heard of Louis. But Louis was the man to beat. This was, this was track and field. He was the one to beat. So what happened was all the, all the, the other coaches from some of the rival schools told their students, we want you to sharpen your cleats. We want you to sharpen your spikes. And when you get up next to him, I want you to pin him in, and I want you to step on his foot. Because he was the man to beat. Laura Hildebrand is an author, and she wrote about this in a book called Unbroken, the World War II story of survival, resilience, and redemption. And here's what she says what happens. About halfway through the race, just as Louis was about to move ahead for the lead, several runners shouldered around him, boxing him in. Louis tried repeatedly to break loose, but he couldn't get around the other men. Suddenly, the man behind, beside him swerved in and stomped on his foot, impaling Louis's toe with his spike. And a moment later, a man ahead of him began kicking backwards, cutting both of Louis's shins. A third man elbowed Louis's chest so hard that he cracked Louis's ribs. Did Louis quit? No. He finished the race. He kept running. This is what the Judaizers are doing to the churches in Galatia. This is what people, this is what people will do to us that are of the world. That's why we have to be careful who we are around. Now, granted, unfortunately, I'm afraid that there are people in the church who do this to us also. You know, Scripture talks about the fact that, you know, do not, do not associate with those who are sexually immoral. But he says, not those who are outside the church. Because if we were to do that, we'd have to be taken out of the world. We need to be around non-believers so that we can share the gospel with them. The problem is within the church you have people who are not living the lives they're supposed to. You are, and if you know it, you're not to have anything to do with them. I'm sure that Louis knew most of his, his runners that were around him who were boxing him in. But the Galatian church was being boxed in. The Judaizers were stomping on their feet, slashing their shins and elbowing their chests. And Paul knew that what they had to do is they needed to break free. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about Hagar and, and Sarah. Hagar, Hagar was, and her son um, Ishmael was, were causing problems. So Sarah said, throw her out of the camp. And we think how cruel that is. But I'm sorry, if there are people in your life, if there are things in your life that are leading you astray, you need to get them out of your life. If you can't handle, if you can't deal with the temptation, get away from it. Joseph, when he was in Pot, at Potiphar's house with Potiphar's wife, what did he do? He ran from her. It ended up and it put him in prison. But you know what? That's okay. God knew what he was doing. He took care of it. If you've missed any of these sermons, you can go to our, our YouTube page and you can listen to the previous sermons that I've been talking about. There are numerous places where you can go and you can also catch our podcast on, um, on Amazon Prime and also on iTunes if, you, if you've missed any of those messages. 
And see, this is why Paul tells him. He tells him in verse 9, he says, A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Understand that. It's, it's yeast. When you put yeast in bread, you may put like a teaspoon of yeast in bread. And what does it do? It makes it big. It makes it rise. I love to tell the kids. I said, well, how does it do that, kids? How does it do that? I said, there are little microbes in there. And what they do is they eat the sugar and then they burp. That's what they do. They create a gas. So when you eat bread, you're eating yeast burp. But that's a great example for what Paul says here because he says a little leaven leavens a whole loaf. Just a little bit of issue, a little bit of trouble, a little bit of sin will change the whole loaf. Your life will be changed. You're like, well, that's just, you know, it's just a little thing. It's not a big deal. It's just a thought. It's all it takes. It's called a foothold. And a foothold becomes a stumbling block. And we've got to get rid of those things in our life. Paul wants the Galatians to realize that they're off the right path. And he's challenging them to take this bold action. And the leaven that threatens their ability to finish the race needs to be out, needs to be thrown out. There's only one other time that Paul ever used that phrase. And that was in the church at Corinth. And here's what he says to them. He says, your boasting is not good. They were boasting about the fact that they had a man in the church who had married his stepmother. And they were boasting about it. That's not good. He says, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. He is so incensed by the action of the church in Galatia that he's telling them, and against the Judaizers in the book of Galatians, that he wishes that they would just, ultimately what he wants them to do is completely emasculate themselves. Now what does that mean? He says if they want you to circumcise you, then they might as well cut the whole thing off. That's what he's telling them. That's how drastic he's being. They might as well cut it all off. Because it doesn't do any good. He says in verse 12, I says, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. See, there, there's some of us in our lives, we need to put down those heavy bags of sin that we have in our lives. We need to lay them aside as we're running this race. That unaddressed sin in our lives, that, that thing that we hide, the, the, the sin, the thoughts, the actions that we keep hidden. We need first to confess them to God. We need to confess and ask Him to help us eliminate them in our lives. And then also we need to confess them to someone else because we need someone to hold us accountable. Because that sin entangles us. It keeps us from running well. Ultimately what it does, it puts a shackle on us and and drives the spike into the ground so we can't run the race anymore. When we feel that we are low in our spiritual energy and our vitality, see, it it might be that the fact that we're we're struggling against that. We're, We're struggling against the chains that are holding us back. We're not able to run as quick as we did before. Why can't I run as fast as I could when I was 13? I weigh a little bit more than I did when I was 13. I'm carrying more weight. I'll never be as skinny as I was when I was 13. 
But see, if I'm running the race and I'm being weighed down by these baggages of sin in my life, I can eliminate them. Not on my own. It's not a matter about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's not a matter of trying harder. It doesn't work. And it's not about, this is, I'm not talking about salvation even. Salvation is you believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in Jesus Christ, but I still have sins in my life that I'm struggling with, that I've got to defeat, that I've got to get over. And the only way I can do it is by turning to Christ and having him help me and turning to my brothers in Christ. I know there's this great video, and, and I, I can't remember what it's for, and I'm afraid it's for a vaccine commercial because I'm just so sick of the vaccine commercials. But these people, this girl, and it's, it's actually for uh, people who have tried, have struggled so hard in their life. And there's this, these girls are running, they're racers, and they're running, and one falls down. What has happens to the girl next to her? She stops. She turns around, and she picks the other girl up, and they finish the race together. See, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to spur each other on to completion. See, there are others of us who have people in our lives that are hindering us from obeying the truth. And we need to remember that a little leaven leavens a whole lump. It doesn't take much. The same holds true for us individuals and as a church. There are things in the churches today that are holding them back. Traditions that really have no meaning that are holding them back. We talked about that last week. A little bad influence can do a great amount of damage in our ability to run the race. And we need to put some distance between us and the other people and distance between us and the sins. We need to have a very blunt conversation with them saying, you know, I love you, but man, you are, you're not good for me. I know of a young man who has been in trouble with the law over and over and over again. And guess what he keeps doing? He keeps going back to the same people, the same friends he's always had. The same friends who get him in trouble. And I'm like, man, you you can't. You have to eliminate them in your life. Well, I can't do that. Well, you have to, or you're still going to get back into this unless you are unless you come to a faith in christ and you are strong and you're not getting in trouble and now your goal is to reach them then you can go back in but you can't do the same things they do when they start doing those things you have to walk away you have to leave them you cannot be involved in those things we need to do that with love and compassion but we have to understand that we may need to part ways And even that, it's still, running this race is not going to be easy. As we we confess unnecessary sins and and remove those things that hinder us from running this race, we'll start to find that we can run faster. If I was dropped 50 pounds, I could run a lot faster. Maybe. I'm not sure my knees could still handle it, but I could try. And we'd run with more strength and greater endurance and greater confidence. But see, even that doesn't mean that we won't face challenges. We're always going to face challenges. This life on this planet is going to be hard. It is. It just is. And what we find is that many, many times, we, the faster we run, the more trouble we have. The more of a pushback there is. And if anybody knew this truth, it was Paul. 
He was heavily persecuted for his stance on faith. Heavily. He was beaten. He was stoned. In fact, that was one of the reasons why he was in Galatia. is because he was taken outside one of the cities and they threw stones at him until they thought he was dead. In verse 11 he says, But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? Paul's saying, if that's what the truth is, if the truth is you must be circumcised, you must do this in order to become a believer, he says, then I, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. If we're faithful to the gospel and the cross of Christ, the pushback's never going to go away. This world is never, we're never going to have a a place in this world where things are perfect, where we don't have to worry about the world pushing us back as believers. At least not until Christ comes again. We're always going to be on the defensive. Always. We've been lucky in this country. Um, we were founded on gospel, on, on God, principles of God, yet those principles have not stayed. We are no longer a Christian nation. We never really were. It was just, it was the idea of it was good, and it just, it's gone the wrong direction. But I want to be honest with you, the only way that we can eliminate the pushback in our lives is if we stop obeying the truth. Huh. So the only way I can stop having troubles in my life, which is troubles from other people, the pushback against my faith, is if I don't believe the truth anymore. What does that mean? Well, that means that I've stopped running the race. There's no prize at the end. We have to begin to start thinking about that. Is that worth it? Because if, if we just say, well, I'm, I'm tired of the struggles, I'm just not going to believe anymore, I'm just going to go by the way of the world, what we've done is we've destroyed our souls. The cross means nothing to us anymore. But we also know that God sustains us. Whatever pushback that we experience, we must never fret, lose hope, or quit Trials and troubles in our lives need to be not, they don't need to undermine our confidence. You know, I'm pretty good at working on things, but you know, when I first sit down to work on something, it's never just, you know, you watch a video on YouTube and they say, in 45 minutes, you can get this done. I'm like, yeah, give me two hours. I might be close, right? I, I have a, a snowblower at home. I have, to, I have to replace the ignition coil. Okay? Some of you are like, what? What's that? Okay. The ignition coil is what makes it possible for the engine to run. I got a bad wire, so I got to replace it. And I've watched a video on it, and I chuckle every time. Oh, you can do this in a half hour. Right. There's always going to be a problem. Because I'll get it, I'll get it all back together, and, and I'll look and I'll say, what, what, what's this for? You know? And then i got to take it apart and figure it out again. It, it's never just easy. There's always going to be pushback. But it, it shouldn't make me lose hope. It shouldn't make me fret. I may get frustrated, and I'll say, okay, i got to stop. i got to go have a pot of coffee. Not a cup. A pot of coffee. And then I can come back to it, and I can finish it. Probably because I'm hyped up on caffeine, but... It shouldn't frustrate me. It shouldn't make me lose confidence in my ability. I know I can do it. It's just going to take a while. 
And Paul tells us why in verse 10. He says, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. You see, what Paul is saying is God is able to sustain you through it if you just keep your eyes on him. All those people that are causing you trouble, causing you problems, God's going to take care of them. His, we've talked about this too. You know, God says, vengeance is mine, right? What God can do to them is a thousand, a million times worse than anything you could think up in your mind. God's going to take care of it. God's going to take care of it. Sometimes I wish he would take care of that snowblower so I don't have to, but it's okay. But understand, God has the ability to sustain you all the way to the end of the race. It's interesting what Paul told the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. It's not. God's able to deal with all those who are trying to stop you. He's able to deal with all the sin that you have in your life. He can take care of it. He took care of it on the cross. He can also take care of all those people who are getting in your way. Now, sometimes you have to move them out of your way, get them out of your life, but he will take care of them. We can know with confidence that God knows who is responsible for your troubles. That's a little scary, though. Because I'll be honest with you, I know that I am responsible for a lot of my troubles. But if there are others in your life that are troubling you, he knows who's responsible. And he will deal with them. Ultimately, he will deal with them. See, without God, we are without hope. But by the grace of God, we can rest confidently in Christ and even run the race set before us with confidence. Yeah, I may look like that guy that's been over out of breath. But I am confident that with God, I can finish the race. By myself, I will not. Again, Paul says it to the church at Philippi in Philippians 1. He says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Meaning, at the day of judgment, the job, the thing that God started in you, and I think he started it with this when he wove us together in our mother's womb. That's when he starts it. That good work that he started in us, God will bring to completion because God is not a quitter. And neither should we be. We should not be quitters. But left to ourselves, we start well, yet not finish well or not at all. But because of the grace of God, we are able with confidence to run the race that God has put before us, and God will bring us through to the end. But how do we do that? I know it's a great, it sounds great, but how do we do this? Well, we have to look to Christ. The key to running the race is learning to rest in the grace of God as it works powerfully in us and to cause us to run the race set before us with endurance to the end. I remember my dad always told me this, and I may have shared this with you before, but my grandfather told him a great way to endure. And, and those of you who know, whoever, who've ever put hay in a loft, you know it's a lot of work. So what he would tell, my, my grandfather told my dad is, he says, when you start, when you start and you've got a, you've got a pitchfork and you're going to lift that hay, and it's a big tall pile of hay, you're going to lift it up here. 
He says, you start, you don't look at the light, hey, you look up here. You look at what you're, what you haven't done, you know, emptiness. And once you reach the halfway point where you have that half full, you start looking at what you have left to do and you no longer look up. You keep your eyes on what's important. What's important is what you haven't done yet so you can get all the work done. And once you reach that point, what's most important is what little bit you have left to do so you are, you can endure. If you're struggling to run well, then it's, start, it's time to start leaning on God. If you're struggling to run the race of life, you need to lean on God. Again, Paul tells the church at Philippi in Philippians 2, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now. Not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So God is working in us as we're running the race. He's working in us to complete it. And when we stumble, when we struggle, we get back up, we continue to run. So that we can cry out to the God of all grace who has called us to his eternal glory in Christ with himself restored, confirmed, strengthened, and established. May he confirm us. May he strengthen us. May he establish us. Because we're running this race with endurance, looking to Christ who is our, who, who provides everything we need to run and makes it so that we can run the race with endurance. We can also cry out to others around us that are running the race with us, with their eyes on the prize, and they can they come alongside. And instead of stepping on us and elbowing us and kicking us, what do we do? We encourage each other. I'm struggling today. I need prayer. You got it. Let's pray right now. Let's do it. Pray. What do you need? What can I do for you? And please, if somebody asks you, what can I do for you? Tell them something that they can do for you because when you don't, you're like eliminating their ability to enjoy grace because they want to be graceful to you. That's how we do this. That's why we're together. That's why we're a church. That's why we're part of the body of Christ so that we can help each other. And sometimes that's just prayer. Sometimes it's helping do something, but, but we need to do it. We need to run the race with endurance and also pull others along with us. And if we are running this race and we're feeling troubled when we want to stop, we can't. we got to think about the prize that we have waiting for us. Is it worth it? Is it worth stopping? John, the Apostle John wrote, and actually it was Christ's words in Revelation 2. He says, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. We must run the race with our eyes firmly planted on Jesus Christ. Jesus already crossed the finish line. He died on the cross. He finished it. He's crowned with glory and honor. Those of us who want to finish a race set before us must fix our eyes on him who has gone before us. That's the key to completing the race. So that maybe one day we will all be able to say what Paul told Timothy I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, uh, but also to all 
who have loved his appearing. Beloved, we are in a race, and we need to run it well. And we need to run it with everything we have and everything God has provided for us. We need to run it with endurance, and we need to trust Christ for that endurance. Because it is Christ who's run, who has run the race for us already, and he's waiting for us. And he, and he, he died on the cross for us. We just thank you, Lord, that we are running this race and we can look to you to persevere and to endure the race set before us. We ask you, Lord, as we stumble, as we fall, that you would lift us up, pick us up, get us back on track. Help us to lift those and, and encourage those around us, Lord. Help us always remember the prize set before us. What is before us, Lord? Eternal life, the crown of life that's waiting for us if we finish this race. May the work that you've started in us be be seen to completion by your grace and by your power. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen. Go in peace. Thank you for joining Living Faith on our YouTube channel. My prayer is that this message today has encouraged you and strengthened your faith in Jesus Christ. We would love to connect with you, so please subscribe to our channel and hit the bell so that you get updated when we add a new message. Also, please leave any comments you might have in the comments section. We would love you to join us live for our service on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We hope you have a great day today. God bless.